0: At the buzzer, once again, coming back, gracing the sound waves. It's snowing outside in Denver. I'm your co-host, Jack Barsh. Over there is, who is that again?
1: Uh, I'm Sam Etivier. It's not snowing in Boulder. It's about to, though. So we'll see that.
0: And, uh, you know, I, I guess I, I kind of missed the snow um, after a quick trip to Arizona, but not really. I don't I don't really. Um, I actually quite like the fact that it was maybe 65 at worst for the three days that I was in Arizona.
1: Well, it was plenty nice here. Uh, a little concerningly nice out. I'm a little worried that we don't have any snowfall and that our farmers are going to die in the summer, but we will see.
0: Well, you know it's just going to dump in March and April. That's just... Well, hopefully yeah it yeah, well and um i guess i'm just maybe it's just i so arizona left a sour taste in my mouth because uh i guess as as a way of intro for this podcast i'm just going to complain about the last day i i spent there mm-hmm. um which was awful in every way so um the trip started off well enough thursday night uh or thursday morning we entered we got to kind of hang around phoenix then we watched c u beat Arizona State uh, at the Desert Financial Arena, which was – it's fine. It's it's an okay place to watch a game. Um, Friday, also went fine. Um, and then Saturday, as CU fans know, uh, they went to Tucson to take on Arizona. And um, on the way to Tucson, which is an hour and a half away from Phoenix, we saw two – omens that should have made us turn around right away number one um we saw a house fire which was uh like i don't know i don't, i don't know if i've ever seen a house fire that close to a road before uh, luckily no one died in the house was,
1: fire was it like haunting to look at
0: it was just strange it was just like oh that's weird um and then this will come back later in the story don't worry on the other side of the road we saw uh maybe like six six cars or so all in different directions and traffic stopped. Looked like a you know, pretty big accident, big headache. Um we continue on to Tucson. We get to McHale about ten minutes before tip off, um which is the, the arena in Tucson. Honestly Mikhail was a really nice facility. Uh we were we did not have good seats. We had seven dollar seats, but uh <laughs> Sightlines were fine, and everything went okay. We were treated plenty fine. Um, After the game, we decided to explore Tucson a little bit and let the traffic die down. This was the beginning of the downward spiral, Sam. So uh, Tucson as a town, I will just say my – I guess my thoughts are it's not worth exploring. (laughs) It's – there wasn't a lot outside of campus that I I want to go back to, but.
1: I, I did a power ranking of all the Pac-12 cities and like part of the joke was I've only been to like five of the Pac-12 cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arizona State fans were yelling at me for not having uh, t- like Tucson as the worst one.
0: It's, uh, it's not great. Um, or as, as the people, our gracious hosts in Phoenix kept calling it, the dirty tea. Um, it wasn't the best. And then we drove home for reference also. Flight was supposed to be at ten thirty, okay? Ten thirty PM. We hit the road at four PM. Game ended about two thirty. Um, and I did not make that flight. Oh no. Yep. So remember that crash uh that we saw on the way there? Yeah. That closed the highway for ten hours. Oh no. Uh yep. It, the delay was not helped by the fact that Arizona Department of Transportation, or ADOT, was giving false information about exits and enclosed exits. Um, so everyone was stuck on the highway when they didn't really have to be. Uh, we eventually escaped by, by taking an exit um, and going through some, some cattle roads uh, in cattle country, and then coming out the other side near the highway. But I was in that car for about six hours. Um, I had eaten breakfast, and that was it. <laughs> I was tired. I was hungry. We just lost. Um, and I had to spend an extra 300 bucks to get home. So that's what I think about when I think of Arizona basketball right now. This that's my awful. long-winded intro into the show. Well. Do, do we need to recap those games? Not necessarily. I don't um, want to
1: recap those games. Those are both gross, gross games.
0: Looks like CU had about as fun going to Tucson as I did, which was not a lot. Um, well,
1: you're back in Colorado. We're back. back in Colorado. The team is in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I don't want to talk about Kobe, but that'll be something to see McKinley write and everybody in L.A. Yeah.
0: Well, and you know, we, plenty of people have talked about it. I just don't feel like either of us can do just do it justice. Oh, absolutely. Compared to the national dialogue. So,
1: yeah. Um, so I guess moving on, Mm
0: -hmm. um,
1: it, did anything stand out from the Washington games just briefly?
0: Uh, yeah, it was just nice. There was no hangover. Um, and it looks like the team played angry after the Arizona debacle, which is good. um, You know, Washington State was put away by a nice dominating run last 10 minutes of that game that scored three points or something like that.
1: Yeah, I saw the score. It was like 56 to 50, and then it ended like 76 to 56.
0: Yeah, I mean, Washington State was hitting all kinds of junk. Uh, CJ Ellaby was just throwing stuff on the wall, and it worked. Um, Sounds right. And then defensive stalwart Lucas Seaworth was put onto him, um, and he didn't score much after that. Um,
1: I missed that game because I was working. But.
0: Yeah, well, um, I mean, I there not too Washington much to miss, game. honestly. The Washington game yeah, definitely was fun.
1: I wasn't guilty about missing a home game against Washington State, just as I'm going to have to work during the Cal game, and I'm like, I don't really care.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully. Um, <laughs> the You know, I try not to dip too far into the um, I-told-you-so territory, but I did absolutely after the Washington game because a lot of the – you know I've mentioned this before, but it's a weird situation in, in the Colorado basketball fan base because it's a really good team, and I really like that a lot of fans have realized it's a really good team. I feel like the support is higher than it has been the past few years. Um, the other side of this, Sam, is I also feel like there's a decent amount of fans that only have interacted with the other fans or this team after the Oregon State or the Northern Iowa losses. Um so some of the people during those games who said, see, Taz still can't coach a zone. See, this team is still lost on offense. See, it's still the same old team. Um, I poked and prodded a little bit after that Washington game on Twitter uh, just because it was nice to see CU perform well uh, against a pure zone team.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the second half was gross as hell. but uh, The first half was just they were moving so well, passing, passing, passing. And they were, like, fighting in the soft spots of the defense. And, I mean, Jake Shapiro said that Ted Boyle was borrowing elements from uh, J.R. Payne's uh, game plans, and J.R. Payne is the women's coach. Um, But it was just nice to see. Like, Steve was not having a problem at all with uh, one of the best defenses in the country, a 2-3 zone with a ton of length.
0: You say that the second half was gross as hell. I guess you were there. Yeah. I don't know if it was. I didn't.
1: You didn't literally look that gross said, to me. "You literally said this loss is going to hurt."
0: Well, <clears throat> yes, because Isaiah Stewart is having his way, and the and Washington could not miss. I didn't think the CU was playing gross. I thought the shots stopped falling, and that's and that's what eventually happened. I yeah, also that's said what I'm that kind of
1: getting at. But like also, like Amir Wright was hitting every shot, and he's like a thirty percent shooter from the f- field.
0: I I also said that uh, after the, what was it, like five or six uh, straight possession streak of Tyler Bayer, Dallas Walton getting blocked by Isaiah Stewart.
1: Yeah, Uh, Uh, yeah. I mean, Dallas Walton got blocked by the backup Penn Johnson, but it was the same thing.
0: But I I calmed down a little bit after watching him. miss what, the second or third dunk that game?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was, uh, it felt like, I think I wrote about it that like, Washington could have uh, won that game, and CU would have collapsed, but Washington was just too mistake-prone. Like, they were turning it over, missing wide-open shots, missing dunks. Uh, you know, so I
0: watched that game, that game uh, I think that was Fox Sports 1, and it it wasn't great commentating, but he said something that was – I, I think sums it up pretty well. It's just like, this, this is how a, a veteran team at home should play, and this is how you expect a freshman – talented Washington uh, uh, routine to play. Like they obviously could have won that game with the talent they had, but they also were uh, making dumb mistakes, they were not focused, they let the runs continue on for too long where I think CU played with the ebbs and flows obviously, but they also buckled up when they needed to.
1: Yeah, no you're absolutely right and I think that that's a that's a blueprint like CU uh they really only have to win the obvious games that they must win to make the NCAA tournament. Like unless they completely collapse, they just have to win like four home games from here on out. And they're going to be in the tournament, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, looking at the overall tournament resume, just don't lose to Cal twice, I think. And you're pretty much (laughs) golden. You're going to get in for sure. Uh, obviously our (laughs) expectations are, are way higher than that for this team. Um, you know, uh, take the season as a whole, right? Colorado is twenty games in. They are sixteen and four. There is mm-hmm. a very good argument to be made that they <clears throat> should expect. I mean, the, the expectations weren't weren't at that level before the year. Um, but looking at the team, they should be eighteen and two, right? Yeah. Don't collapse against Oregon State. Don't collapse or not collapse, but. You know, Northern Iowa, they could have played better on defense, but Northern Iowa also was just – they shot, what was it, 60% from three? Yeah, they're also probably a tournament team. Yeah, Northern Iowa's good, but that's still a team—a game you want to have back. And if CU doesn't collapse in the very last two minutes of that game, and also if Northern Iowa's a little less hot, then um, CU sitting at 18-2 and two right now. They're probably ranked uh, – <laughs> I mean the only losses are Kansas and Arizona on the road. So I would say that's probably a top 15, top 10 ranking probably. Yeah. She's a siren if you can hear that. Um you know, that's that's dangerous looking at the rest of the year because if you're looking at this team as an 18 and 2 team, I'm seeing oh, they they might lose to Oregon. They'll lose to Oregon on the road probably and then they might lose to Stanford to USC on the road. But everything else I'm taking, and then that's a, what, 26-4 and four season, 27-4 and four season, which is yeah. crazy.
1: And even then, those three losses, those are the only ones that are, like, hard games. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not counting, like, Utah on the road as a hard game. I'm not counting Oregon no. State on the road. Because Oregon State, by the way, they have completely collapsed uh, since they beat us. They beat Arizona, too, which is hilarious. But they have completely collapsed. And I am sorry about this because I, the Beavers are my second team but (laughs) it's been sad to see
0: it's such a weird thing because they beat colorado obviously on the road then they go and beat arizona by what is this 17 points 17 or yeah 17 points and then they lose to washington state pretty handily they lose to us ucla they lose to usc by 20 they lose to washington they lose to asu and they lost to utah by 12 um this team is super, it's, they've lost four straight. As far as I know, and maybe you know more than me, they haven't had any major injuries at that time, in this time period.
1: Uh, I think, I mean, they only have two real players on offense. Um, it's Colin just, Thompson. yeah, it's just that Thompson ruined McKinley Wright when they played in that gimmicky one-three-one one defense just bothered CU and they panicked.
0: But I mean, that's the thing is like that Tinkle and Thompson should still be enough to beat Utah. Like it should be yeah, enough okay. to beat Washington State. They are yeah. just playing poorly. And Tinkle's yeah. probably out at the end of this year. I I would guess. Oh,
1: Wayne, Tinkle. Wayne Tinkle, the the dad.
0: Yes, Wayne Tinkle, the head coach. I
1: mean I'm pretty sure he's just staying there because of his son is there.
0: Uh yeah, probably. You know, it's this CU's gonna get in the I shouldn't say that. CU should get in the <laughs> tournament. <laughs> Uh, barring uh, like losing the rest of the games,
1: yeah, in the and schedule. what's more is like if they win the games they should, which would be at UCLA, at Cal, or UCLA on the road, Cal and Stanford at home, USC, UCLA at home, Cal and Utah at home or on the road. That's seven games that they absolutely should win, mm-hmm. bare minimum, bare minimum, um, and that would mm-hmm. put them at twenty-three wins with games to spare with the Pac-12 tournament still to play. And that's like a top six seed without even giving them benefit of the doubt on the road. So it's like we're in a really good position, especially because if you look at college basketball as a whole, there are no good teams. It is just a complete dearth of inequality, really. Like, it's
0: kind (laughs) of sad. I mean, you're going to look at the top four. Top four seeds could very well be four non power five teams right you honestly um, of the
1: number one seeds
0: yeah you honestly could be looking at a top four of Gonzaga San Diego State Seton Hall and Dayton like that could be a legitimate <laughs> no, thing that that's happens. not gonna happen no that it's not going happen. to but it sure could I guess hold on I say that before checking if Seton Hall lost to Paul tonight no they, won, they, did they not. won
1: um yeah yeah what you're saying is that man anybody can win it this year or CU is not obviously, but like just us being in a favorable position to get a good seed, that's so key. And then for us to be in the Pac-12 hunt right now, um, I really think CU has a chance to get a share at least of the regular season title if Oregon stumbles. Like you've noticed that they're vulnerable, right?
0: Well, yeah, they lost to Washington State by twelve. Like that's that is <laughs> I think that's the definition of vulnerability. Washington State isn't a uh cupcake like they have been but they're still not great um
1: it was clay thompson night it was magic in the air
0: (laughs) yeah well and i don't know if you noticed this but yeah the point guard magically grew four inches and also a goatee um and he just shut the lights out no just kidding clay thompson did not put a jersey on um
1: (laughs) well you lost me at point guard
0: okay I don't know, man. They're going to get the ball in his hands. If Clay Thompson was going to come back with college eligibility, you don't put him anywhere else but point guard. All right. Sure. Uh, I, like, so they're, Oregon. They're projected at 13-5 to right now if you look at Ken Palm. Um, the only projected loss that they have is a one-point loss to Stanford on the road, which I'm not sure about. I don't think and, that's
1: going to happen because Stanford has zero home court advantage.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that can also be in its own way a oh, big because, advantage.
1: Because it's quiet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, um, we'll see. And it's, then like, Ariz- it's more like a neutral site game.
0: Kind of, yeah.
1: Okay, and then Arizona.
0: And then Arizona is another projected loss, um, which I can also see on the road, obviously.
1: So something wacky is also Arizona. If you look at Kempom numbers... They're projected to win every single game left on their schedule, which is wacky. Oh, really? they're, they're ranked number 12 out of all of college basketball in Ken Palm. Uh, it's like strange. Their whole team is strange. I think Ken Pomeroy is really underrating how volatile they are. Like, they, yes, they had their best game of the season against CU. They absolutely destroyed us. Mm -hmm. everybody stepped up Zeke Daji was everywhere Mm -hmm. their role players were making plays on defense and hitting threes that these guys are all hit or miss they just all hit against CU and CU also had a terrible game but like
0: is there a more um home away split team in the country than Arizona Arizona at home I think is really good Arizona on the road I think is bad I think that's just how it is
1: yeah so Again, we'll see. It's unfortunate that we don't get to play Arizona at home because that's always the most fun game of the season besides Oregon. Um, Right. And like Ted Boyle wants another shot at Arizona, but irony will be that we're going to probably play them in the semifinals in the Pac 12 tournament because that's how it always happens.
0: Yep. Which is going to be Arizona home game light, you know? Yeah.
1: And we'll probably lose, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I'm really focusing on the Pac 12 regular season tournament because I. Or the Pac-12 regular season title because I really think CU can win that. So they're projected. Uh, you said Oregon is projected to go thirteen and five in Pac-12 mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're projected twelve and six. Arizona's twelve and six. Um, and then there's a pretty big drop off uh, between like USC and Stanford because they're not very good. They just have good records right now.
0: Right. Um, well, Arizona would have tiebreaker in that case, which would still put CU at third give them a buy on well, the first still, day of the Pac-12. Yeah, we'd
1: still get a share of the Pac-12
0: title, though. Uh, yeah, I that's mean... That's what I'm saying. It's all right there. Um, if so you if, if every team goes
1: 13-5. They don't have to steal any games to go 13-5. and 5. That's what we're no, saying. No, but I'm
0: saying to really lock it away. Oh. You steal that Stanford win uh, at the very end of the year on, on the road. Yeah. I think that's a linchpin. I think we can all count on the Oregon game as not going the no. way.
1: I think that if we finish the season with two losses from here on out, we will get a share of the Pac-12
0: title. Because that would be a, what, 14-4 and four conference record? Ridiculous conference record? Yes. Uh, you know, it's just looking for the, at them for the tournament, too, right now they' they're on the the five line they're predicted on the five line mm-hmm. with um, which as we know is the scariest line for a uh a power sixteen or whatever a power conference team because you usually get the really good conference champion of a smaller conference that's
1: actually the five twelve uh has gone to uh gone elsewhere. I think it's gone to the 413 now. That's the popular upset. Oh, really? Because uh, uh, mid-majors are getting undervalued more lately.
0: Um. Well, there's still what? Two? There's still two 512 upsets last year?
1: Yeah, okay. Anyway, the larger point is that yes. it's like the, the pretty good but not great power conference teams against the really good standout
0: mm-hmm. mid-major teams. But a five seed would still be the best seed, I, I believe, in the modern era for CU. The 1996 yeah. team was 97, eight seed, 97. Was eight seed?
1: Yeah, because Chauncey Bells played his last game like a week after – or a week before I was born.
0: Nice. Way to date yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's – I mean, what this season was projected to be a success. I think this season largely so far has abs- been a complete success. Mm-hmm. Um, They've – Something happened in that Dayton game where the the offense figured itself out and um, I mean,
1: not even we really we were talking about this earlier. Only like two players on CU had good offensive games that game.
0: Right, but the right two players did. Yes, you know and like, that
1: was Deshaun Schwartz and McKinley, right?
0: Mm-hmm. When McKinley, I think this has happened the past two years too. Which it just keeps sneaking up on me at least. But I feel like he's always he always like oversteps his bounds a little bit at the beginning of non conference play. He tries too much to get out of his own, like to grow his game. Um, And then a game is needed or he's needed in a game where something happens in his head and he's just like, oh, I have to be fully me. And he just goes. And then that like snaps him back into like all conference level McKinley.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I think that's what happened at the Dayton game. And ever since then, he's been a different player. The player that we, I mean, the player that we expected, frankly, except for he's shooting better than even I thought he was, would he going to. Um, and I think it's been the same with the rest of the team. They, they peaked, they're peaking, I should say, at the right time. Um, and we'll, we'll know a little more about them to see if they can sweep another road trip or uh, sweep a road trip, excuse me, like they have on the, the L.A. schools. Yeah. So they they a huge sign.
1: Yeah, they have the L.A. schools, they have Oregon, and then they have the Bay. And the Bay they should sweep, to be honest. Um,
0: but more so I, than the LA schools, you think? But yeah, but we're we more confident in that than the LA schools.
1: Yeah, if only. Well, I'm confident in both, but um, I'm also overly optimistic. And, well, uh,
0: hold on. Let me let's play a little quiz with you, Sam. Let's right. do a quiz without looking it up. You cannot look it up. A, How much do you know about the Stanford Cardinal? The fifteen uh, and four, third in conference, Stanford Cardinal.
1: Their their point guard looks like a little kid.
0: Okay, can you freshmen. name him?
1: well, not Dejon Davis, I mean the other guy i right. don't. right can you name know. him? no, I can't can score this is not fair <laughs> this is, no, I mean like 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 i I always see the stats. I always like I feel it, I just feel it. The Stanford has never scared me, not since they had like dwight Powell um
0: they have one player over six nine yeah. um he plays not that much uh. Oscar de Silva is good. Let's
1: let's not talk about Stanford. Let's talk about Stanford in Whatever. March. And yeah. Either
0: way, uh, you should. I think you should be more scared of that. Regardless, um, <laughs> okay. this upcoming road trip, I think, will tell us a lot about this. I, we've said that a lot, but you know, a sweep, I should say, will be a huge sign because that'll be pretty much lock see you in a tournament spot, and okay. then also give him great momentum.
1: I don't want to preview that game right now, so I'm going to cut you off real quick because I want to okay. talk about other things. Okay. Um, But I was going to use this as a segue earlier, but do you think McKinley Wright, if he plays like this, can he win the Pac-12 player of the year?
0: No, absolutely. No, he can't. Okay. He, there's no the, – the stats aren't there, um, and the story also isn't there. Um, If you're looking for pure stats, I mean – there's a lot of crazy good score Trace Tinkle has it. If you're looking for like No, a, he's
1: not I mean he's not going to win it cuz his team is bad.
0: No, and that's what I'm saying. If you're looking at stats plus story plus honestly the player of the year is almost can be a career award award sometimes it's gonna, like,
1: I mean it's going to be Peyton It's going to be
0: Pritchard. Yeah, it's going to be Pritchard. Okay. Um guys had to ask. No. I think if anyone's going to win an individual award for CU Tyler Bay defensive player of the year. Yeah, exactly. And I think that might also be a career acknowledgement type deal.
1: Yeah. Who else could win it? Defensive player of the year.
0: Kyler Kelly, but also they're not good enough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I could see the committee being dumb and, and considering Zeke Nagy. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see them Yikes. honestly considering Peyton Pritchard. Though he's, no. Um, who's the main guy? Who's the guy in the middle of Oregon? Di- not Diakite. Um, that's Virginia <laughs> uh, are
1: you talking about Shakur Joyston? Justin.
0: yes thank you and uh, and finally Dante um, well Dante's
1: only played half the year and Bay is better than Justin and he's had the better career numbers I think it would be
0: Bay I, I think Bay's probably the, probably the front runner I would think so at this point in the year maybe Okongwu on, on USC
1: also, I mean, someone's going to get rewarded for uh, team excellence, and it would be CU if anybody did.
0: Right, because everyone's played. So, I mean, is Batty eligible for most improved player? Probably not. His stats, I mean, I his stats took a big jump. All
1: right, uh, moving on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not even going to look at that, huh?
1: No, I, I don't. I, I also want to highlight a weakness. Also, I'm getting a little sick. It's kind of hard for me to talk right now. Okay. Uh, um, I want to highlight a weakness with uh, CU, and then we could move on to. I know you want to talk about these two as breakout players, mm-hmm. but um, I'm concerned. My main concern moving forward is that Evan Batty and Tyler Bay have struggled pretty badly against teams with like legit size and length and skill, uh, namely Washington and Arizona. Plus, Tyler Bay's had some sketchy games elsewhere on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Do you see this as an issue moving forward? That they were out-rebounded by Arizona State because Romello White was moving them around? That Zeke Naji was just jumping over Tyler Bay, for instance? And that, like, Tyler Bay was getting swallowed on the inside. Like, he could not be scoring at all against either Naji or Isaiah Stewart. And in the past, Obi Um,
0: I'm not... Too worried um, about Bay just because, I mean, look at the three names you just listed.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we're going to see those guys again, though.
0: Maybe. We're not going to see – they're not on the schedule right oh, now. Oh, I mean,
1: actually, yeah, you're right.
0: You know, like – and there are we're going to see good teams again, but Oregon was a great team. Tyler Bay did not look outmatched against Oregon. Um, I think Stewart is a – you know, obviously a one-and-done, crazy athlete. Um, I think I mean is similar. Najee, is he going to go pro? I don't know. Yeah, he will. Okay. Well, there you go.
1: Okay, so yeah, you do bring a good point that we're not going to see them on schedule. We don't face any more uh, terrifying bigs, except I don't know if you count uh, Ogonkwu.
0: He, I mean, he also is probably a one-and-done. He's less, um, I don't... You know, I don't think he affects the game the same way that Najee or Stewart did in inside. I think he's really good. Um, I think he's really polished, but I don't think the polished players are the ones that give Tyler Bay the tr- the most trouble, if that makes the athletic
1: sense. athletic freaks, yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think Zeke Najee gave him trouble because how many people have been able to out-hustle and out-jump and out-athlete Tyler Bay? Not very many, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Stewart gave him trouble because that's a, like a legitimate seven footer with skill and he knows how to use his body. That doesn't happen very often in college basketball. Obi Toppin is going to maybe win player of the year. Like,
1: yeah, and I should say that like, like Toppin and Stewart should – like they are NBA ready. Like these are NBA players playing in college basketball.
0: So I, I think we need to look at what Tyler Bay is as a, as a player. I don't think we should even expect him to go toe-to-toe with those players. Okay. I think what Tad Boyle showed, and I think it uh, bore fruit in the past two games, is he always says this, rebounding is a full-team activity, right? Um, McKinley Wright got eight against Washington, I think. Uh, DeSean Schwartz had six. Like You basically – Bay is there, and he's really good at playing Boyle ball. He's, he's a really good player in the Colorado system. But he's still within the Colorado system. Um, and I think expecting him to transcend past that is is a folly. You know, I I think it's – I think he's really good. I don't think he's that good. And I think help having other people help him out and reemphasizing the fact that there needs to be five guys boarding it every time means Colorado won't suffer too much on the glass. Um, like you said, Arizona State, I rebounded them partially because – I feel like a lot of teams just like, "Oh, Batty will beat Armello White," and no, he couldn't beat Armello White because Armello White gigantic, um, and he also is like pretty good. He's a pretty good big guy, I would say. Um,
1: yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that you're balancing me out because I tend to give credit to individual players too much and not the system.
0: Well, I, you know, I, I guess that's where basketball for a lot of. Um, yes, at least in you're an NBA fan, self-titled. Um, self-titled. So NBA basketball is, I think, more so than college basketball. But the nice thing about college basketball is that you still have systems that can outshine individual talent, um, save, you know, a Carmelo Anthony or um, – Kemba Walker. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think Tyler Bay getting swallowed up by those players is a thing that happens. I don't think it's a reason to worry. If that makes sense.
1: So I, I, I'm worried because when I see this happen, I see that CU has no way of getting to the, bu- to the basket for easy twos. And I see that CU settles for mid-ranges and three-pointers like they did all night against Arizona. And so I just get sketchy that we're going to be reliant on jumpers and we're going to go cold and lose because we have no shot, honestly.
0: Um, you think CU's shooting poorly? They're not shooting that poorly.
1: I think that no, I'm saying that it makes them jumper reliant and jumper reliance is high variance.
0: Yeah, yes, exactly. I think what you just said is correct. Um I think CU also has two things going for them that counteract what you're saying. Number two, they get to the foul line, um pretty often.
1: Well not um, if they're not attacking the basket.
0: Not attacking the basket successfully. I, I still think they get to the basket uh, foul line. Well, let's look. Let's look at the Arizona or even the Washington free throw rate, right? Okay. Um, if we're looking at the Arizona box score, CU took 11 free th- or 17 free throws made 11. That's more than Arizona took. Uh, so 11 out of their 54 points, which yikes, only 54 points was free throws. That's not too bad. Let's look at Washington um, made 11, took 14. That's also not too bad. Um, if you look okay. at the point distribution on the year, about 22% of Colorado's points come from the free throw line, which is top 15 in the country. Um, and that's what, you know, if you look historically, that's what the best tab oil teams also did is when they – They do get outmatched physically. They get to the foul line and they hopefully make shots. Um, Foul line's more reliant or more reliable than shots.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like what was Spencer Dinwiddie's free throw rate his junior year or sophomore? Eighty-three, I don't remember. Yeah, and he got to the foul line constantly. You know, Um, it looks like Tyler Bay is twenty-second in the country uh, at free throw rate. Evan Batty's twenty-fourth in the country in free throw rate. Like that's um, pretty good. Tyler Bay is drawing six point five fouls per forty minutes. These are things that help you weather um getting outmatched physically. But also look at the schedule. What it's gonna be USC maybe that's left that's gonna make us quake in our boots.
1: Yeah, I guess no, you're right. I, I didn't even really consider the remaining schedule with my uh with my anxiety. <clears throat> it was <laughs> really Morton's only good. Be-
0: but is Oregon yeah. scary? No. Especially no, they're the scary.
1: Oregon. They're scary for other reasons. Right. Partly playing at the Matthew Knight Arena. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess these are hmm. – yeah. Okay, we can move on probably.
0: Well, to me, the scariest thing about this team is is who's the other guy handling the ball? That's, that, that, is, that is a question that has not been answered for, what, four years?
1: Yeah, well, maybe next year with Keyshawn Bartholomew. We don't know.
0: Oh, I'm, I have super high hopes for him, but just for this team, that to me is the, the big bottleneck is someone else needs to be able to make plays. Uh, well,
1: since you queued me up, I may as well take the criticisms a little step further. Go ahead. Just Dalen Koontz, my God.
0: Boy, howdy. Uh, I had it's, really been hopes. it's been a lot. It's been
1: a lot. He's uh, just been a negative in every way. And I'm I'm getting frustrated with Maddox Daniels that they literally the only thing he can do is shoot.
0: I I am not frustrated at that at all. I in fact I know, I'm I, know. I am totally fine with that being his role.
1: No, I'm fine with it too. It's just that he gets lost on defense a lot. He like doesn't really try on the little things. And that's frustrating. If you start if you watch him, you'll you'll get frustrated. Like like for instance, I'm watching the Blazers game on the background and I'm watching Hassan Whiteside and I want him to get banished from the NBA mm-hmm. he doesn't do the little things, and I fucking hate Hassan Whiteside. But I digress.
0: This is so. I love Hassan <laughs> Whiteside, but whatever. I,
1: okay, I, I'm a I I'm a Blazers fan, and I mm-hmm. I hate and I hate that more than anything.
0: I I mean, yes, Damian Coons and Maddox Daniels are not ball handlers. Um, and we've we've learned this. <laughs> um. Yeah. Luckily, I think Shane Gatling has really, really grown in that role. Uh, I don't cringe when he has the ball. And, in fact, part of why I think Washington, the zone, off, the office we had against the zone works so well against Washington, is Ted Boyle, or I don't know who brought this on, but it's actually a really good idea. Basically, they took McKinley Wright off ball for most of the possessions in the first half and kind of stuck him in the corner um, because – to move the, the ball effectively against the zone, you need to have someone make that initial pass. But after that initial pass, a zone tries to funnel the ball to the corners and then trap or, or get them stuck. Right. So I think a cool thing that happened is Shane Gatling made the right first pass almost every time. No turnovers that game. And then, you know, that first pass was to, to Bay, Batty or Seaward, who I trust on the inside. And then if you have McKinley in the corner, He's basically running the offense through that corner once he gets the ball, and it's a little more favorable for him to see those matchups. Um, I thought that worked really, really well.
1: Yeah, I think also in a larger point, like the, Shane Gatling has stepped up in a lot yeah. of ways, and I think, I think he's,
0: he's so good this year. I think he's yeah. really, really good this year.
1: And he's not really shooting well; he's only at thirty-one percent from three. But that's not about. He's been the glue guy because of like he does those little things that you're talking about. Uh, like, mistake-free basketball, which was, like, kind of a big step for him to take. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being, like, he's put in a, a lot of effort defensively, um, and it really shows up in the team defense. And, like, he's solidified that two-guard spot next to McKinley. I'm just sketched out by the bench a little bit.
0: Well, I, it's just, like, it's just so weird to watch Jalen Coons because he, like, has it all – he has everything that you need to have to be successful. He has good size. He has good athleticism. I don't necessarily, I don't think he's like, he makes dumb choices, but I don't think he plays dumb basketball, if that makes sense.
1: I think like, his mid range shots, where he just, like, has an open lane and then he just dribbles into someone and then chucks and contests a contested mid range shot, I hate that. But otherwise, yeah, I agree.
0: Right. Well, it, you know, he's also from Denver East, so maybe it's a pretty easy parallel to draw, but, like, Dom Carly did some of that too, where, not just, really. Um, hmm.
1: Dom you, Collier was like a very willing three-point shooter his whole career, and he would like spot up. That was his best role.
0: Oh, I know that, as, that was what I was coming to. Is I think once Dom Collier figured out who he was, and now I guess that was only senior year. To me, I loved senior year Dom Collier. I thought that was okay. a great college player. But I think you know he would do some of that where he knew he was successful for like all of his basketball career, so he try those same moves and then it wouldn't be successful and then he would let that drag down a lot of his game
1: yeah i just feel like like coons has taken a step back from last year like he was really good as a role player who attacked he was always in attack mode
0: right i I don't think he's doing that at all this year
1: no i don't think so at all
0: what's funny is i think elar parquet is what i want dalen coons to be
1: yeah parquet's making jumpers now
0: and he's always attack he drives constantly i don't know i counted actually watching the washington game because mm-hmm. i was remark i i was crazy about it he drew four fouls in like six minutes of game time against washington like he is really good at that he cuts he slashes he's always going towards the basket he plays willing defense he's active i really like how car Parquet is playing i, I, I think really- I really like his Kuz potential.
1: I've really liked Parquet's potential for a while. Uh, do you see like a larger role for him moving forward?
0: And this team, no. Okay. But next year, that guard rotation, no gatling, is gonna make it interesting because Bartholomew is presumably gonna take a lot of minutes. Um,
1: and Bartholomew, for the viewers or for the listeners, is the five is the four star top one hundred recruit point guard who reclassified and is redshirting right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's going to get talked about a lot. about you know, It's fun because we can just hype his potential up all the time mm-hmm. right now, almost without consequence because no one's going to see him play. But he's going to get talked about a lot moving forward. Um, yeah.
1: And he's, mostly he's like very talented but pretty raw. Like He's still learning how to play high-level basketball.
0: Well, there's a reason that he's redshirting. He's super skinny. Um, he's learning the ins and outs. But, oh my God! is he fast? Oh my God, is he fast?
1: He's explosive
0: um anyways, yeah. Daniels, I think, is actually kind of figuring out his role. Um I think he's turning more into the gunner um that i I thought he's going to be at the beginning of the year. I think he's also realizing that when he drives, mostly bad things happen, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a good thing to realize um
1: yeah, I guess when i was I complained during the Washington game that he was not really doing anything productive, and then he immediately hit two threes. And it's like, ah, okay.
0: He's hit timely shots all year, I think.
1: Yeah, you can like forgive a player whose one skill is that important. Right. Speaking of, I used to think he only had one skill, but he does not. Do you want to talk about your favorite player?
0: Yeah, I do. And I want to, I am vindicated. I feel vindicated. And I'm glad that you've also made me feel vindicated by joining me. I mean, I... And going to miss Lucas Seward so much when he leaves. And he's been frustrating, I guess, for a lot of his career. But, oh, my Lord, is he just the perfect senior big. He is just the perfect senior big guy. He does – I can't can't help it. I'm just so happy for him. I'm so happy that there's a player like that on CU's roster. What a complete luxury to have Lucas Seward off the bench on a team. Like, that is – That is a level of luxury that I don't know has existed in Colorado basketball history.
1: No, I don't think it has. I don't think CU's ever really been deep in the front court at all. Um, But, I mean, Tad Boyle said it himself. He said, Lucas Seward is a starting forward. He just doesn't start on this team. Um, Yeah,
0: exactly. That's exactly right. Thank you, Tad, for saying things better than I could.
1: This was uh, Tyler Bay missed the game against Washington State with the hand injury. And Seward, what arguably was the best player that game,
0: Oh, he was. I mean, he was. Double-double in like 50 or 20 minutes of game time, maybe 25. Hit everything he needed to, move the ball well. I mean, it's oh, – what an evolution. Like, I don't know. It, there are people out there, and once again, I hate to keep RP on this, but there are people out there who think Tab doesn't develop players, especially big guys. Um,
1: Wait, that, not people think that? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, I know. Um, and then they'll say Wesley Gordon. And then now I have the easiest retort of all time, which is like, look at, look at Lucas Seward his freshman year. and look Also, at like,
1: now. Wesley Gordon was not the coach's fault.
0: Well, we don't have to go into that. This is an okay, easier yeah, counter. Sorry, That's sorry. what I'm saying. Is that, that was whatever, What I love a Wesley nice Gordon. success story for Lucas Seward and also for this coaching staff to say, this is a man who everyone in the stadium cringed when he checked in in his freshman year, because on defense, he would just get eaten alive by another big guy every time. Yeah. And now he is, I think, a legitimate average to above average player on defense right now.
1: And he, I, what, did he break out a little bit uh, his sophomore year towards the end?
0: Yeah, that's when he started getting the hot, like we had hot Lucas Seward, and then he became cold Lucas Seward, and then got hot Lucas Seward again.
1: Yeah, last year was mostly misses from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he rounded out his game quite a bit.
0: Well he's shooting 40 percent from three right now on thir- on 77 attempts which is pretty good he's shooting around 50 percent from two he's rebounding the ball really uh, pretty honestly pretty good for for who he is he comes off the bench he comes on the bench and he kind of stabilizes that unit when he comes off the bench but well basically when what are we, who we're we taking off from every time probably Tyler Bay, right and it's just crazy to me that the offense can even not even drop off, at also maybe improve when you take a guy like Tyler Bay off the bench and put Lucas Seward in. That's insane. Oh, what a guy. I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy for him.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's it's been a great development to see. I, I cannot apologize more for not liking him as a player. I called him their, fifth, their fourth big man this year, but that was obviously a
0: mistake. And also, I've mentioned this a few times, but I might, I might shed tears every single game next year when Evan Batty and Dallas Walton start together. Oh, yeah. I, I am, I, it, oh. Dallas Walton fighting back to be a legitimate player this year even is crazy to me. And next year when he is a legitimately good player and can play minutes, I'm going to be so goddamn happy for him.
1: Yeah, coming off his third ACL tear.
0: And he had Ugh. he had seven points against Washington. He had about that much against Washington State. He's played, honestly, pretty solid defense despite having limited lateral motion um, with that giant brace. And just what a complete success story he's going to be.
1: Yeah, do so, you want to move on? Uh, do you want to move on to the UCLA? USC we sure can. Seasons? We sure can. We're probably getting a little bogged down. We haven't even mentioned McKinley Wright or Deshaun Schwartz being everything we wanted them to be.
0: Well, we can do that, I guess, later, after the after the season. Yeah, um, yeah UCLA is first. Sam, talk about him.
1: Really? <laughs> I haven't watched UCLA play basketball because I have better things to do with my Okay,
0: life. well, I've watched UCLA play basketball.
1: So, I can look at the schedule. Um, they lost to Washington State. They got blown out by USC and Stanford, and they got blown out by Oregon. None of those are... Particularly criminal, I guess. Um, but then they, they beat Cal and Oregon State in close, low-scoring games. That's all I have. They're, they're bad. I don't think they're good. They. Sorry, I just realized my analysis is they're bad. I don't think they're good.
0: <laughs> That's uh, good analysis.
1: Sharif O'Neal just transferred. That's the mm-hmm. only thing I noticed. That's Shaq's kid.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't playing much anyways, though. Yeah,
1: he wasn't. What do you got?
0: Uh, you know, I... I think that actually transferring might help them a little bit, might make them play a little bit more focused um, and tighten that rotation, which they might come out and give CU a tougher game than people are expecting.
1: Yeah, like people like me.
0: Yeah, Um, but like you said, uh, I don't think they are a good basketball team. I love their point guard, Tiger Campbell. Mm-hmm. He has crazy hair. His name is Tiger. Um, yeah,
1: he's a cutie.
0: Yeah, he is a cutie. Um, I love that they have a man named Prince Ali on the team for the fourth year. But and they don't as, have as
1: our as our former Ted Chalfin will note, they, the UCLA band has yet to play the Aladdin Prince Ali theme, which is, which is crazy cuz it's
0: a banger. It's, it's a complete
1: Bob. You literally have a player on your team named Prince Ali.
0: Take the take advantage of that when you can. Um, Chris Smith is the main shot maker, but he's also the main shot taker, and he takes more shots than makes shots, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they are a bottom five team in the country at three-point defense, um, and I guarantee Tad knows that, and I guarantee this team knows that. Um, so watch for CU to take a bunch of threes uh, at Pauly Pavilion. And as we know, the past three years, Shane Gatling loves to play at Pauley Pavilion I was um, going to
1: say like we haven't had a Shane Gatling explosion yet
0: ah uh, CSU was a muted explosion, but that was okay. still a explosion okay, fair but okay um you know I'm not too scared of UCLA something wacky might happen, and honestly it's still not a resume killing loss but you want to sweep these games in UCLA, you need to win that game to sweep.
1: I mean also games. Oregon state all right, Oregon lost at Washington State and dropped from number eight to number 12. So it's like it's hardly a crime to lose any conference game uh, away from home. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen.: I mean, I don't think UCLA is good from what I've seen, which I've seen the stats for sure.
0: God. <laughs> well, they're a pretty good matchup for, for CU Because Chris Smith, you could just put Tyler Bay on him And you're going to be mostly okay He's not the type of guy that can make Bay hurt um, Evan Batty is bigger, as bigger, bigger than anyone else They can throw in the block um, And you add a guy like Lucas Seward He's going to pull them out There's going to be plenty of driving lanes for McKinley um, You know, it's just They match up not poorly
1: and it's not uh, like it's not like they have a big guard who's gonna give McKinley right issues either. They have a little tiny one who's even smaller than McKinley. Tiger
0: Campbell, yeah. I mean Prince Ali is pretty big, but he's not he's not like uh, Ethan Thompson. He's not like six six. Yeah. I am much, much more scared of USC. I am terrified.
1: Yes. Tell me why, because I don't know much about USC other than the guys who I know.
0: I'd love to host a college basketball podcast with a man who is indifferent at best instead of college basketball.
1: I like CU basketball.
0: <laughs> well, uh, Sam, for, for, I'll say for the viewers, but really it's for you. Um, <laughs> USC is a freakishly talented team that is not playing like it, as is usual under Andy Enfield, Tad's nemesis. Um, on Anyeka uh, Okongwu is definitely the best player. He's a freshman from Chino Hills, and he is a complete physical freak. Um, he's really polished, too. Like, I know is, him.
1: Because he knows he's on what to do with the ball. He's on all the draft boards, so yeah, I know him.
0: Yeah, I figured you'd say that. Um, he's really good at defense too. He is. He's gonna eat CU alive. And Mikosovic always plays well. Nick Mikosavich. He's been at USC for like twenty years. Um,
1: God, I hate his face.
0: Another big guy. I know who is and that? He...
1: Who is that douchebag on like the twenty fourteen USC team who hit all those threes? I'm gonna look it up. Uh. Okay. Kate Caton Kate Reinhardt.
0: Oh, I forgot about him.
1: God, UNLV transfer. I think we need to uh flesh out the uh, the, the villains, yeah. We need to flesh out the villains of CU basketball history. Yeah, it's gonna be mostly white shooting guards because I'm making the it, list, it, and, the well, list. Well, and
0: that's Tad's like, I guess, what would you call it, designated enemy, anyways. Uh, they don't really Brent have one that. of those this year. Um, Rikosevic is in there. They have a lot of size. Isaiah Mobley, super freshman, is is in there. He's a 6'10 guy.
1: What is Jonah he's Matthews to you?
0: Play a lot. Jonah Matthews is a sniper. I don't know if he's a pesky white shooting guard. Oh, um, well, I mean, he's, he's not. He's definitely but, not one of those. Um, I thought you were
1: referring to the, the the sniper shooting
0: guards, which he is one. Yeah, he he takes a lot of threes. He's taken 118. Threes. He's, holy shit. He's taken 40 more threes than anyone on CU's team this year god it's pretty good pretty good percentage um he looks like west matthews so it checks out i they might be related jonah matthews west matthews well i think matthews, i've heard that on the podcast west on the broadcast
1: west matthews spells it with two t's
0: that's true yes whatever um they have a lot of different players and they kind of play like that um my favorite player on USC's team, I'm glad you asked, Sam. Um, Ethan Anderson, their freshman point guard, starting for them, he briefly um, flirted with CU in the recruiting process. And, and Tabor thought he had him locked up. And then UNLV had a scholarship open up um, that they weren't expecting after the DeAnthony Melton drama. Um, so Anderson stepped into that, and he's played exactly like we would. Speaking of secondary ball handling issues, we would like a secondary guard to play at the CU team.
1: And speaking um, of Anthony Melton, he's been fantastic for the upstart Grizzlies.
0: Is that, I would not have guessed that. I thought he was going to be a bust. That shows you really well.
1: Know. The Suns traded him for nothing. They traded him for Javon Carter. So
0: hey, I love Javon Carter.
1: Well, he's not an NBA player.
0: He's in the NBA playing right now. So
1: yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Gary Trent Jr. is not an NBA player, and he's playing in the, this game. I'm I don't like Gary Trent Jr.
0: Anyways, well, um, yeah, bad. So I'm, I'm scared of this team. They have a lot of size. They're very athletic, um, and they have a lead guard that's a bulldog, and he's really good on defense. I'm just glad that there's no Jonah. Uh, Jonah was it Jordan? Jordan? Jordan McLaughlin. Remember Jordan McLaughlin? Um, he started for USC for four years. He was really really good, and he always gave CU fits. He's gone. Thankfully, this would be a really good test for CU. This will be a really, really good test for CU. This would be a quad one win. It shows they can play against explosive size, which is all, which is what USC has, and also show that they can just grit it out against a. Honestly, I mean, is this PAC, the Pac-12's the CU's biggest rival in the Pac-12? This or Arizona, right? There's bad blood here.
1: Yeah, uh, like USC and football. It's the team we can never beat in basketball. It's the team we like legitimately have almost started fights with. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona State is actually kind of a sneaky rival, I think, with basketball.
0: Um, you know, maybe this will be mean, but Arizona State's going to have to win for, for me to get more upset with them. Um, it used to be that way under Herbert Sandek when they had Jordan Baczynski, who was a villain, absolutely.
1: Yeah, he's was um, really on the
0: villain team. but. There's, there's definitely, like, Andy Enfield does not like Tad Boyle. That is a fact. Tad Boyle doesn't really like Andy Enfield. That's also a fact. And I think he really likes beating Andy Enfield when he can.
1: I mean, I don't disagree with anything. Do you, what are the keys to the, to the win? If CU were to win, what if are the CU
0: keys? Is to beat USC. Yes. Um, <sighs> Deshaun Schwartz is going to have to ball out. That's going to be a huge for Schwartz game because I don't know if they have anyone that can match up with him. And he's going to have to play bigger than his size on defense. Um, Evan Batty is probably going to be on Nick Jokosevich, so I'm not too worried there. Tyler Bay is probably going to take Okongwu, which is terrifying. Um, you know what? That's probably going to be a pretty big Dallas Walton game. Maybe I'll put him as a key. He's probably going to play some pretty big minutes there.
1: What about Lucas were hitting shots?
0: Um... That'd be nice, but at this point, I kind of expect him to hit two or three a game.
1: Do you think, do you think anybody in USC matches up well with McKinley?
0: Yeah, I think Ethan Anderson is actually a really good defensive guard From yeah, I think he can probably stick with McKinley pretty well. Okay. Um, but I, that has not stopped McKinley before, you know. I also think that uh, – I also thought that – oh, sh- what was his name? What's his name for Dayton? Um, uh, not Harper. Jared. Oh, boy.
1: Mc, McClutcher? McCrutcher?
0: Yeah, thank you. Jalen Crutcher. Crutcher. Yep. Yeah. He's also a really good defensive I guard. know things. And he could not stick with uh, McKinley. So, you know, if McKinley's locked in, I don't know if anyone can stick with him all the time. But Anderson's as good as they come in Pac-12, I think, in terms of Bulldogs.
1: Okay. Um, quick, who's your national championship favorite right now?
0: Hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe because I'm biased for CU reasons, but I think Dayton has a legit, really good shot. Um, I think I'm not going to go with Baylor. Kansas can probably pull it together. But Bill Self with the final four is um, an abusive relationship. Let's see. Yeah, I, I'm i probably going to stick with mm, Dayton. Yeah.
1: I would stick with Kansas.
0: I'm scared of them. They're really, really good at defense. Kansas yeah. is really, really good at defense.
1: And they're also, they have a little bit of fight to them. which I, I,
0: I will <laughs> say, I also am in love with to Winston and have been for four years, so.
1: They keep losing, man. Michigan I know, State but Tom
0: Izzo's always has the best March teams when they lose.
1: Also, I want to make a note that I am trying really hard to watch more college basketball the past couple of weeks. I'm really trying so I just wanted you
0: to know that good as you should it's just it's I don't want to really watch fun sport. I
1: don't want to watch UCLA basketball
0: well you're going to tomorrow night or I guess when this mm-hmm. podcast comes up tonight um, you know that's, it was a what a long winding road but we talked about everything we wanted to do with Colorado basketball
1: not, not McKinley Wright's emergence as a star let's uh, wait until I mean, he, he he's shines
0: star. that star even brighter after this road, sh- road trip alright
1: well I'm done
0: I'm done Goodbye. Buzz! Buzz! Buzz!